0: The Israel Report for the latest news and
1: insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, Boketov shavuotov, how are you?
0: Boketov shavuotov. yes, a very, very eventful weekend in a, a few days um, on the hostage release front. We're going to talk a lot about the hostages who have been released and what the current... Statuses of the hostage release, but I wanted to go back to Thursday, Howard, to um, a message that we received. I think it was from Anton mm. about um, the whole issue of the Shia and the uh, Sunni Muslims, and he was asking how come it is that when Iran and Houthi are extremist Shia regimes, which of course they are, and that the other. Uh, proxies, the Iranian proxies like Hezbollah and like Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad, also ISIS and Taliban and others are all Sunni Muslims. Mm. How come it is that there is this close connection? That was Anton's, rec- mm. you know, Anton's uh, uh, question from, from Thursday, which I think is a very valid one. Um, and I think that the simple answer is, That whereas there is this great divide between the Sunni and the Shia Muslims, um, and by the way, the split is all about who is the successor to Muhammad. Whereas the Shia Muslims believe that the successor, they both, both strands are strong believers in the Prophet Muhammad. um, But whereas the Shia Muslims believe that the, only the direct descendants of Muhammad can really be the leaders of the community. Um, the Sunnis have a different view that says that any learned priest could be elected to a position. And that really is the basis for the whole split between Sunni and Shia, the successor to Muhammad and who should really be leading the religion. Um, and, of course, that split becomes quite... Um, dramatic in, in certain respects mm, because mm. they really do oppose each other in some, um, quite violent ways. Um, and there's a lot of conflict between them. But on this occasion, of course, they are united. And I think Anton, the simple answer to your question is that the un- unity that you see, the unlikely unity is really all around a common enemy. And the common enemy is Israel and the Jews. I need to add in, add the Jews because I think we've now understood that whereas Um, Israel is a common enemy and, and the target of a lot of hate, but it doesn't end at Israel, and the reason why it's Israel is because Israel is Jewish, and so therefore, by extension, it applies to other Jews as well. And what's quite interesting is that now that we're starting to understand a little bit more about Hamas's plans when they committed that attack on October the 7th, They had it apparently in their minds. They apparently thought that the Muslim world was going to come and help them. In fact, they would already done quite a lot of homework to get support from Hezbollah and from Iran and from other um, Muslim groups. Apparently, they thought that this was going to be the start of a massive, massive Muslim attack on Israel. It hasn't quite transpired like that. And that might be one of the reasons why they have been so enthusiastic about going into this hudna to the, 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 the temporary ceasefire, the hiatus that we see now. Because whereas they thought Hezbollah were really going to attack dramatically from the north and there was going to be attacks from all around, um, that really hasn't happened and they found that they've really been uh, much on their own. So whereas October the 7th was a dramatic victory for them in many respects, but since then it's not been so great.
1: Mm-hmm. So let's uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about this weekend because what a dramatic what a dramatic weekend it was and uh, just to some incredible scenes incredible tension over the weekend three groups of hostages were released by Hamas from so far from captivity uh, let's just talk about the process
0: so um, the way that things worked Friday was the first group. Um, that was released by Hamas. they were handed over it was all supposed to take place at four o'clock in the afternoon um, just 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 before Shabbat came in in Israel um, and um, in the end it t- took quite a lot longer by the time the handover was made by Hamas to the International Committee of the Red Cross. Inside Gaza, the International Committee of the Red Cross sent a few vehicles into Gaza, where they apparently um, had a rendezvous point with Hamas operatives, terrorists who were handing over the the, the, the hostages. Um, and then we saw the the convoy of of Red Cross vehicles coming out of Gaza, crossing the Rafah crossing into Egypt. From there, the hostages were taken to the Kerem Shalom crossing between Egypt and Israel. There is also a crossing into Gaza there, but that happened to be a crossing from Egypt into Israel. Um, of course, IDF teams were on hand right away to welcome the hostages. Some really, really um, heartrending scenes as they literally fell into the arms of our soldiers as they were received on the mm-hmm. Israeli side of the border of Kerem Shalom. And then helicopters were made available, initial medical checks um, were undertaken on all of the hostages to see how they were doing. And if they were found to be reasonably okay, then helicopters were laid on to transport them to Schneider Children's Hospital, which is in Petah Tikva, where the families were waiting to meet their loved ones. And, of course, there were some quite emotional Mm. scenes of people being re- reunited with their families and um, I shared with you Howard a-, a wonderful clip of o- Ohad Munda, nine years old who was released in that first group who climbed into the cockpit of the helicopter mm. with mm. The, um, the the helicopter pilot who was um, a lady pilot, a woman pilot. Our-, our ladies have been amazing during this war and I, I really want to talk separately about the contribution that our-, our female soldiers have made to this war effort because it's really been Quite, quite unbelievable. Um, and she, we don't know her name, uh, but she's a captain in the Air Force, and she was a helicopter pilot who brought those hostages um, back to Schneider Hospital, and we heard her voice um, over the um, radio talking to Ohad um, as she welcomed him into the helicopter. Um, so really, really emotional things. Um, and then, of course, on Saturday, the second group were due to have been released, and at the last minute there were all sorts of spanners thrown into the works, Um, Hamas wasn't satisfied with what Israel had done during the day on Saturday. They were claiming that there'd been violations of the agreement. Um, And in the end, there was a, a dramatic last minute negotiation involving Qatar and Egypt. And we understand President Joe Biden got involved to make sure that the second group of hostages were released Mm. late on Saturday evening. That was a very, very late affair, and we found that one of the hostages had actually been shot in the leg before she'd been kidnapped and was now being returned to Israel um, and was in not good medical uh, condition. And That leg needed immediate treatment, so she was airlifted to the Soroka Hospital in 'er Beersheba directly from uh, the Kerem Shalom crossing. The rest of the children and uh, the mothers and the elderly ladies who'd been released were shipped to Schneider Hospital. The second group were found to be in reasonable medical condition. Um, but by the time we got the third group back yesterday, we noticed that their medical um, circumstances were dramatically uh, deteriorated from the previous groups. And interestingly, yesterday's group didn't come through Egypt and Kerem Shalom. Rather, the International Committee of the Red Cross picked them up somewhere in the central part of Gaza and simply drove them over to um, the, the, the Gaza border crossing with Israel. From there, one lady was um, shipped to hospital in serious and life-threatening condition. Mm-hmm. That was the way that her situation was described. And the doctors at the hospital have said, she wasn't well taken care of. I'm talking about Elma Avraham, 84 years old, is in life-threatening condition, uh, in Siroka Hospital. We don't exactly know what uh, her uh, what her medical problems are, but she is not in good shape. And the other children uh, and women who were released were also not in such good shape. Yesterday, stories coming out. From here until you know the ends of the earth, about mm-hmm. how they were treated and what went on. Um, one lady, just an interesting snippet. Um, Adina Moshe, 72 years old from Kibbutz near Oz, said that she tried to persuade Hamas to release somebody else instead of her because they came to say she was going to be released, and she said, "No, there's an older woman who is in worse condition <gasps> I love than me. Please take wow. her. Wow. Please wow. take her. I want to be and that feisty said, no. when
1: I'm older. Wow." I think that is just amazing. Uh, just amazing. So amazing. Please
0: take her. Um, yeah. And then another story about um, the, the, the deal was that no minor children would be separated from their family members during the release process. And yet one nine year, one 12 year old girl was separated from her mother a day before the release was due to take place. And then she was released while her mothers remained in captivity. Um, and that is really not okay. And, I mean, it just goes to show exactly who we are dealing with in the form of Hamas. Um, obviously, ma- many heart-rending stories. And, and the one that really comes to mind is the story of four-year-old um, Avigail uh, Idan who is a, an American citizen as well as an Israeli citizen. And she was mentioned by President Joe Biden when he visited Israel because of the fact that she's American and she was held up as something of an example, four years old. Now, Avigail has been through trauma because she was in her father's hands. He was being held by her father in his arms when he was shot dead by Hamas and he literally fell on her. She managed somehow to escape and run to the neighbor's house where she was kidnapped along with the neighbor's family. And we've now discovered that her older brother and sister um, survived that. They hid in a cupboard next to their mother's body. She was also killed. So four-year-old Abigail Idan has come back to be reunited with her older brother and sister but they are three orphans because their parents were killed on october the seventh and this is just the bittersweet story that we have on the one hand delighted that a four-year-old has been released from captivity but those three children now face a life as orphans because their parents were unnecessarily brutally murdered on october the seventh and it's i don't know what sort of a trauma Four year old Abigail will suffer in the future of her life having been through that incredible, um, brutal attack where her father was killed while holding her in his arms.
1: Mm. It's it's you know the the collective trauma of this is just beyond beyond words. Uh, A couple of uh, there's been quite a few tweets about the the fact that Hamas might not know where all of these these women, children, and hostages are. What is your what, what what is the prevailing thought on this?
0: Um, we don't really know. So whatever I say is speculation. Right. But I think there is a certain view that um, Hamas don't necessarily have full knowledge of where everybody is. And, of course, we now know that people are spread out in different groups. We've had some feedback from the hostages themselves who can tell what's been going on, who who was with them in their group, who wasn't with them in their group. We understand that they didn't always have food to eat every day. We understand that they were sleeping on benches and not in beds. We understand that Some of them had to wait hours before they were allowed to go to the toilet. So we are starting to get a certain picture of what went down. Some of them were better treated than others, no doubt. Um, But we are obviously starting to get a picture of how the hostage groups have been divided up. I do believe that there is a certain lack of coordination at the moment about how much Hamas really knows about where everybody is. And of course, the fact that some of the hostages were released through the Rafah crossing in the south of Gaza, while other hostages have been released from the central part of Gaza, just reinforce the fact that they are being separately held. And I think it's difficult. At the moment, under the circumstances with the communications network having gone down and with the idea of having been involved in, in, you know, uh, destroying tunnels and things like that, I think it would be enormously difficult for them to have some sort of the central view of exactly where everybody is. And I think that that's also being reinforced by the fact that we feel that there are some... Young children and babies who might have been, should have been considered in the first group of people to be released and who have not been mentioned for whatever reason. And so the speculation is either that they don't know where they are or um, whatever other reason there might be, but, but some of them we feel might have been have qualified to be released in earlier groups, and they simply haven't been at the moment.
1: Mm, mm. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, that that makes it a very, very difficult uh, situation. Let's talk about the extension. Uh, How likely is this to happen?
0: Well, there's a lot of talk about this extension. They're talking about extending it for a day at a time in return for freeing 10 more hostages. Um, I just want to say, make one comment about um, people w- wondering whether um, this is a diplomatic victory in terms of getting the hostages returned or whether this is considered to be a military victory. And of course, negotiations have been involved in Qatar and Egypt and uh, the United States and many other entities have been involved in the diplomatic negotiations. But one cannot have any doubt at all about the fact that these diplomatic victories are all as a result of the military activity that's gone on, and the fact that Hamas, we understand, have been brought almost to their knees in Gaza and have been forced to want to negotiate because of the situation in which they find themselves. So I think that we can definitely consider this to be a to be a, a, a mixture of military and diplomatic. Success because the military success has been astonishing, and i can 't emphasize or say more say enough about how amazing our army has been and how amazing our soldiers have been, and the amount of support that has gone out for our army mm. um, it 's just been um, a, a real experience to be here on the ground and watch it um, in terms of the uh, the extension. I think that there is a likelihood that the extension will be agreed upon ultimately. And the reason for that is because we do want our hostages to come home. We do want our most vulnerable children and those elderly people. There is talk about potentially elderly males who are not in good shape to be released as part of the extension. And there is talk about another 10 hostages to be released for each day that the hudna, that the current hiatus is uh, preserved. And Israel has a certain interest in making sure that that happens. But the, 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 the language that is, that is coming out of all aspects of Israel coming from the government, coming from the military hierarchy, is that we are ready to go back to war the moment the hudna is over. Not if it's over, but when it's over. And there is a certain view that says even if we do extend the current hiatus that the war will continue. And I think that in Israel's, from Israel's perspective, there is an interest to continue this war in order to put even further pressure on Hamas so that we can ultimately potentially have greater victories in the future. The stronger the military uh, pressure is. I think the greater the successes will be in terms of negotiations, if indeed there are negotiations, or potentially the military actually acting on intelligence they've received from the hostages who've been released in order to potentially find where the others are being held. And we certainly hope that that will be one of the outcomes um, that we will see. Mm.
1: And uh, this is a story that obviously we're going to follow very, very closely. Let's see what happens today. And we'll catch you, Antony Rock, tomorrow morning at 7.45 for the Israel Report.
0: That Israel Report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Hi,
1: it's Barry Cohn from the Blue Agency. Israel is currently facing one of its biggest challenges ever. All of Klal Israel is praying for the safety of our soldiers and the return of the hostages. We hope and pray that our soldiers and security forces will prevail and that they will all return home speedily and triumphant. We hold the hands of our clients and friends who have children serving in Sahel, who are protecting Israel and Jews around the world. May Hashem protect us all.